0: Good morning and welcome to Wheeling the Pathways of Life, a production of 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and WRRS Pittsfield, Berkshire Talking Chronicle, with your host, Brian Fitzpatrick, and co-host, Caitlin Fitzgerald. Wheeling the Pathways of Life is a snapshot of the day-to-day experiences of a disabled individual as they navigate the pathways of the world around us. We hope to shed light on, and open your eyes to, new perspectives on the lives of those with disabilities. Most of us have disabilities we must live with, but it is the way we deal with them that defines us. The opinions and beliefs expressed on this program are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and beliefs of this station. And now, Brian Fitzpatrick. Someday,
1: Someday. 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 We'll walk in the rays of a beautiful sun. Someday,
2: we Good, good morning, folks. Sorry I didn't talk today. Uh, it's all
3: good, Brian.
2: Um, good morning. Uh, as promised, we have a special guest, Kristen from UCP. One of the managers. One of the. One of the big managers of UCP. Um, I completely call it in general. Um, <laughs> now, what? Uh, we'll get the corporate. We'll get the corporate on someday.
3: <laughs> someday. Oh, um, bully! me, I will. Yeah, you. You have your <laughs> ways, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So, what do you think of the new
1: studio, uh, Kristen? I like it. It's nice. Yeah. It's a good location, too. It was easy to find.
2: When you get GPS. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, GPS, and I had uh, Tiffany on the phone. I'm like, am I going the right way?
3: Yes. Yes
2: yeah I was um, I
3: was definitely confused when I dropped the packet off here I was like I have no idea where I'm going I think this is the right location but like I hope
2: yeah but um well worked out it's confusing because spectrum still has the equipment here from the old yeah but uh but they back removed the um, customer service to... Um
1: I did learn that recently. I had to go and drop something off at Spectrum, and I'm like, wait, they're not in the same place. So when she told me, it's where Spectrum used to be, I'm like, oh.
3: Yeah, that sense. was that yeah. was what um, a lot of the drivers were saying when we first had them bringing us here. They were like, you're not trying to go to Spectrum, right? Because it's not there anymore. And we're <laughs> like, no, no, same building, but different purpose.
2: Same building, different area in the building.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So,
2: question, um, uh, uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of infect, uh, what kind of, uh, how, how uh, have you been infected since the last time I saw so you with COVID
1: in the minute. So, I think the last time I was on, we were at a point where we were, we, I wouldn't say we were used to COVID. I mean, we were, we were deep into the pandemic and we had finally kind of established a new normal, yeah. um, but we felt like we were on that turnaround where hopefully now things are gonna start turning around now that we kind of feel like we have a hang of how to do all this stuff. Um, and I feel like it has been a positive incline up since. So, the last time we yeah. talked, there was, you know, huge staffing concerns. Yeah. Um, just uh, very unknown, we weren't that, sure. That's always
2: gonna be a problem, no matter what we do. That's it is. Always gonna be a situation.
1: It always is, but not to the extent that we felt a few months back. I mean, that was, that was probably the most intense time of worrying, am I gonna have a staff tomorrow? because you never know
2: um um, we did have one incident but um you um and you and tiffany um gonna save the day on that one when i had to go into springside
1: yes so
2: but uh, i mean that was that was more of a precautionary yeah we had a we had a plan, but no
1: backup plan too. And given the, the, at that time, there was so much unpredictability. Yeah. You know, we had a plan, but like you said, there was absolutely no backup plan. And if one, yeah. one thing kind of went off, if one person got sick, if one emergency happened, we would have been last-minute scrambling, trying to figure out... What are we gonna do um, you know and that, and that was tough that was a hard conversation because we have to put in our mind too what will be the safest option
2: yeah I like a, like I warned you I'm gonna um, jump around a little bit but what's, what's the hardest thing for you to? kind of keeps you up at night about uh, working with um, the disabled and working with families as far as keeping things going the way they are and keeping everybody uh, safe and
1: in control. So I think the hardest part is um, sometimes we, we have to look at things from all aspects, and sometimes it's hard to, ma- to have the members actually understand or realize that we're not doing things per se because we think it's the easy way out or um, we think it's what's best for you. We, I really go about looking at it from all aspects, and I think at the end of the day, my number one concern is safety. And, you know, I'll sometimes rack my brain about how can I better explain to the members why I'm doing this. Because sometimes they feel like we're just doing it because, oh, it's easy. Mm -hmm. They don't want to deal with it, so they're just going to do this. And for me, that's not the case at all. I rack my brain thinking of every scenario that is best for that member because every member is different. Every person has different disabilities, different abilities, and what's good for Brian might not be good for the next person. No, you
2: have a different pool because you have this recording and you have um, uh, you can refer back to this Oh that's great conversation. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean and I'll give you
3: the link so you can We did give her the link. Yeah, okay. you sent me the we, email. Yeah, right. we just we just sent the link yesterday yes, for so. both um the the audio and um the the video as well. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm.
1: exciting. That mm-hmm. we can yep. go back and so I'll tell you what, I just started a, a masters program and uh who knows, <laughs> I might be going on and using some of your uh Past performances for references in some of my yeah. reports. I don't... I don't get it.
2: <laughs> mm. it, this, this show is educational. I mean, this show is meant to be educational, so... Yeah. Um, and... I know you didn't see the interview yet, unless you watched the last thing, and... Uh, you didn't tell me, but uh, I did an interview with Trisha Pauly-Boubier and uh, she uh, talked a lot about PCAs and I mentioned how we, we have to kind of bend the rules as far as stuff, getting, bringing, uh, bringing animals in and bringing kids sometimes just because we have to have staff. Yeah. We don't do that all the time, but just because we need staff. And um, I told her that was a hard decision to make because especially now in the pandemic, you need staff. So you take anybody you can get at the time but you got to keep in mind the safety aspect as well uh,
1: yeah um unfortunately the pandemic affected the the home care pca (laughs) and direct support workers the hardest because of things like child care um and all those other obligations because all these other things closed. So if kids aren't going to school and daycares are closed, a uh, PCA... If
2: yeah, they were closed at the time, yeah. they slowly open back up. No, and, right. and
1: we're slowly getting back to a norm, but there's still that restriction, and I think that's why this, on top of the pandemic, that's why this demographic of work got hit so hard, because the resources that they had in place... To be able to do this kind of work, we're no longer there. So the yeah. fact that you know you have allowed some leniencies so that you can get staff is it, it's good and bad. You know, as long as it's comfortable for you.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, the way I look at it, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not um, the ideal situation, but. You know, it's something that I can work with.
1: And, I mean, I do have some members who enjoy, like, especially with pets, you know. If somebody gets a dog, they're like, oh, my, they're asking me permission. Is it okay if my PCA brings their dog? And I'm like, if you're okay with it. But I want to make sure, too, that your care, like, their job is getting done. We're not just having, you know, doggy coffee hour. Hey,
2: let me put me purpose this by I uh, think saying that anybody that's allergic to dogs, um, you can't bring the dog and I made sure Absolutely. I made sure everybody that was allergic is was, like, was allergic is no longer working with me. There was a couple people that were allergic but they're no longer
1: working with me, so that's why I and that goes back to the health and safety. You know, I think that's always our, our, our bottom line is we can be as lenient as we'd like, but at the end of the day, if it's going to affect health and safety of you or anyone on your team, we have to really address it and find the best solution. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, and it goes back to the... It goes back to as far as the... Uh, it goes back to it goes back further land, it goes back to the peanut allergy mm. situation. You had a situation in North County where there was a peanut allergy. So you made it back uh, agency wide where um no peanuts is new. Yeah. the agency
1: else. And we did the same thing with the um yeah. the scent free as well. Yeah. Because yeah. there's lots of people, asthmatic, even yeah. people who aren't that have a sensitivity to different strong scents. And mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think those are really common. There's there's a lot of places everywhere with the no nuts and the, the scent-free because it just...
3: It's becoming a lot more common. Exactly. I see it exactly. a lot
1: more than I used to.
2: The one thing that I am uh, using using my experience, the one thing that I would say to people, and this is across the board, so I'm not gonna pick anybody in particular, but um, it's uh, the courtesy of the staff to ask the client what they want. I mean, it goes through even opening the door if you let somebody in the house, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't just let somebody in the house without um, asking the client what they want, or you know. Yeah,
1: I think there's there's certain boundaries that yeah. um, sometimes yeah. get a little strewed when you yeah. know people are working with individuals that are disabled because they they almost feel like they have to do everything for them. And then it turns into them not asking those questions. You know, if somebody knocks on the door, instead Um, of just going over and answering it, they should say, do you want me to answer the door for you? You know, Mm -hmm. it's... And then then we
2: get the exact opposite where I found... This is is a good thing, Caitlin, so don't like I'm putting you in the bus. What? (laughs) Um the other the other thing
3: is she has me be... I ask him before I do anything cuz you you have it you've expressed that that's like a problem where sometimes people don't ask you like you know what you want or what you want done or if it's okay to do something so at this point I'm just like Let's be over-cautious. Let's ask about everything.
1: I'll tell you, it's hit or miss. Because I have one member that we yeah. work with who she's very particular about what she wants. And I think that's uh, great. You know, like she'll yeah. make a shopping list and she won't just say she wants bread. She wants white wonder bread, this size, you know, exact. Yeah. And if you don't get exact, she gets really upset because mm-hmm. this, she wants what she wants. But then there's days where I'll go in and I'll keep, oh, do you want this? Do you want to wear this or do you want to wear this? Do you want, and finally, she's like, just pick something. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you asking me so many questions? Yeah. And I'm like, uh. so it's hard sometimes to find that balance, too, you yeah. know? Because I do know that sometimes once you work with somebody for a while, the proactiveness is really important as well. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure, Brian, you appreciate when somebody that's worked with you for a while yeah. comes in your house and just knows, oh, look at the laundry basket's overflowing. Hey, I'm going to start this load of laundry. Yeah. Without having to be told.
2: Yeah.
1: So I think it's it's there's a happy medium somewhere yeah. in there.
2: hmm But the other the other factor is and I know we're working on this schedule wise, but the other factor is just because Caitlin is there doing community stuff and show stuff with me, don't use her for stuff that you should the PCA should be doing, you know, and that's, that's been a, that's been a challenge sometimes to get them to, you know.
1: I think, yeah, it goes down to defining roles. She's in a different role. Yeah.
2: Yes, she does do PCA one night a week, but um, that's a, we know what that rule is, and, you know. Yeah. We're getting
3: good at separating between. I think it's gotten better over the last year.
2: Yeah. I'm just pointing it out because the people have multiple services in. Yeah. uh, Well,
1: and I think this is something that, you know, like you said, other, other people may have encountered as well that have... You know, someone whose role is to be the homemaker and clean the house and then another person who's a PCA role and another person who's a shopping role. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when all three kind of collide, n- knowing those defined roles is really what's going to keep that process in check because then one's going to expect the other, oh, well, she's here, so he's going to do that and this one's going to do this and mm-hmm. um,
2: I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong, but I'm saying the other people got to watch. Yeah,
1: and I think that goes along, too, with um, when you have staff that you have a longevity with. You kind of build those schedules and those routines. Um, And lately, with the whole staffing crisis that's been happening, Mm -hmm. you know, no one's really been able to be in a situation long enough to define those roles, because changes have been happening so much.
2: And I honestly don't think right now is a good time to set firm schedules until the pandemic goes.
1: Well, I think we always have intentions of having set schedules, but we always make it known, too, that as much as we say this is your schedule, don't be surprised that yeah. we might call you and see if you want to work or yeah. you know, switch something up, yeah. and
3: still have that aspect of flexibility in there.
1: Yeah, yeah and I think that's an important um, disclosure to have with anyone you hire on as a PCA or a companion or anything is to just be upfront and say, you know, I can never guarantee that you're probably going to have a set schedule. Yeah, we can try our best to accommodate. A schedule that we create together but at the end of the day this field is always unpredictable
2: um, as we know with me my schedule um especially with two times i've been in the hospital i mean
1: mm-hmm.
2: you never know when that's gonna happen well so it's,
1: you're dealing with humans none kinda, of us are
2: predictable it's kind of like you know <laughs> we yeah. You know,
1: it's you know, everybody. You wake up one day, you feel great, and two hours later, you got a headache. I mean, we are moment yeah. to moment in our lives, so working with humans is never, ever um, going to be perfect. It's never uh, simple. No. Nope.
2: When we come, when we come back from our break, how did you on this same same train of thought because. Uh, there's uh, a, a procedure that the PCAs need to follow with the client as far as deciding when and how to go to the hospital. So I'd like to get into that a little more. So when we come back for a bit, we will continue that
3: conversation. All right, we'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Wheeling the Pathways of Life on WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and WRRS Pittsfield, Berkshire Talking Chronicle. On behalf of UCP of Western Massachusetts, Wheeling the Pathways of Life would like to thank the following organizations for their continued support of UCP, Scaraphony Realty, Greylock Federal Credit Union, Crane Paper Foundation, and the Stationery Factory in Dalton, Massachusetts.
2: And we're back. We're back, folks. And I, um before the break I said we're going to get into the procedure of basically letting the client decide if it's time to go to the hospital and determining when that uh, time is with the help of the PCA. Letting the client make the decision as much as they can by themselves. With me, um, Christian, um, how's that working as far as you can tell with me? Is that
1: is the procedure we do working well? Or? I think so. I mean, for the most part of all the times i can remember okay. you've made that decision. Okay. Um sometimes maybe you've waited it out to see if, you know, it was a situation that could be addressed at home and then went, but for the most part you make that you made that decision of i think i need to go. Um you've been very openly communicative with your PCAs about hey, this is what i'm going to be doing. Yeah. And talking with them as well, so and I think that's important.
2: But at the same time, they can be the one to make the final decision.
1: No, they can't. But at the end of the day, PCAs and direct support workers are all mandated. We're all mandated reporters, so we have mm-hmm. to if we feel there is a safety or health concern.
2: If it's a um, if it's an any.
1: If I wasn't
2: within my rights in mind, it would be a different
1: way. Yeah. And if they knew so if I and this is what I tell a lot of my staff, if you really feel unsafe, if you are at a member's house and something about them is wrong or they just, you know, don't feel right and they're refusing to get go to the hospital, go to the doctor If you get to a point where you really feel unsafe, it's okay to call and have a paramedic or 911 come and just address address the situation. You know, say, can you check them out? Can you, you know, make sure they're okay? Because then at least, you know, they might say to you, Brian, this is really severe, like, you should go. And that might be the reality that you need of saying, you know what, I have been putting this off too long. Or they might come and say, you stubbed your toe, you yeah. know, you're fine. Just get, put some ice on it.
2: It's like, um, it's like Tiffany said, with the lift, and it's a little personal life experience with the lift. Even if I'm totally strapped to the lift and uh, I get st- sat down with the left and I'm totally okay and everything. She still wants the ambulance call and just let me evaluated at the house mm-hmm. for documentation purposes. Clown refused, but she wants the documentation that they have, check me out. And then I have refused. She's not yep. taking away the right uh, have me refuse, but um, she wants the documentation. Yeah. And,
1: and you can, you can refuse, but at the end of the day we also have an obligation too to make sure that we're doing our part. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, having someone come and assess the situation, check you out, make sure you're good. Yeah. Even if you still say, I'm not going, I don't care if you think I should go, I'm not going, that's okay. You still have that choice. But at yeah. least you have a better understanding of what's going on, what could happen, what couldn't happen, yeah. you know, from a medical standpoint, because yeah. I'm not a medical person. And yeah. the PCAs aren't either, you know, they might have some CPR and first aid and all that. it's
2: just basic first
1: aid. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not an expert advice.
2: Yeah. And um I joke around I don't all the times I look forward to the time when I'm feeling better to go into the hospital because when I go into the hospital because it is fun for me because I know a lot about medical stuff but Initially, going to the hospital was not uh, the best thing in the world. You know, it was the best time in the world to be and wait up in the hospital. That's not the fun part. But when you start to feel better and you're able to eat and stuff, and sit and laugh with the doctors and joke around and you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. When you start to get on the other side of whatever's going on, that's when the fun begins. <laughs> so well,
1: so the process isn't, or the the problem isn't being in the hospital, it's actually going to the hospital. Yeah. Because <laughs> nobody, by the time you feel like you have to go to the hospital, you probably feel pretty crappy. Yeah. So.
2: So that's why I call it a vacation. <sighs>
1: 'Cause once you're good it is, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm i I'm away
2: from my staff for at least a week.
1: Oh. <laughs> Ouch. They probably find it to be a vacation too, so. Oh <laughs> um,
2: in most, Oh my gosh. Most cases. Most cases there's they. Um do you have to go because I mean, this is something that I've had experience with in the past. Usually the toughest thing for me was to have to go because if you go to the hospital, I don't get as many hours or, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and and that's tough. And I know that in some cases, we can allow some staff to come and work with you when you're in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but for um, the PCA program, because it's a mass health-funded program, yeah. those hours can't be used while you're in the hospital.
2: Did you give my email about the MRC? Uh?
1: Yeah, so the MRC hours, you could do that, okay. because they aren't the same they're not through insurance. Okay. The PCA hours are through insurance, yeah. so that's where there would be a stickiness. Yeah. So in uh, your case, you have that option, but there's so many people out there that uh, don't have that option.
2: I'm for those people that don't know Massachusetts Rehabilitation Commission. And on the night, I'll take a minute to PSA for that show. On the ninth of uh, November, David from... MRC, who is my service coordinator, is coming out at noon, and we're actually going to put him on the show as well. So,
1: um. Has Dave ever been on your radio show before? Oh, this is exciting.
3: Yes. (laughs) It is indeed.
2: We were going to do it for Zoom, and he's like, no. I'm coming out. Oh, good.
3: Mhm.
2: Hey, Chris, I better warn you. He said to be directly if you pull Caitlin off the show.
3: <laughs> oh my god.
1: He's coming. Oh.
2: oh my god.
1: Well, don't worry. We're not taking Caitlin away. No, because <laughs> if anything, we're figuring out a way how to clone her. I'm still working on it. We need more of her.
2: He said, no, he said, she's, we have such a rapport together that, uh, you know.
1: Absolutely.
2: She and I make the show.
3: Well, we've uh, been working together for quite some time now, Brian.
2: Over, a over a year.
3: Yes, I, mm-hmm. I've been working with you for a little over a year now.
2: He, the amazing part is, she can still stand it.
3: <laughs> hey, she's still
1: here. She hasn't run away yet. Nope.
2: Oh, boy. Yesterday, I thought she was because we had a little disagreement, but uh,
3: we worked it out. We didn't have a little disagreement, I just... You were frustrated, and I could tell. And I said that we should just not continue the conversation, so it didn't turn into an argument. <laughs> it so, was fine.
2: And in, in the meantime, I actually
1: did what she said. So he, that's you know how good it is to be able to have that though. Relationships can't always be good all the time. Yeah. You know you have to have those disagreements and those times because that's what really makes you understand each other better. Yeah. There's, um,
2: there's times, and we got another one tomorrow, but times, what I say, you know what? We've had a rough week. Or we've had a rough couple of weeks. You want to go out to lunch? Mm-hmm. Do you want to go out to lunch? Just to have a conversation, just to Sit down and eat and have a conversation and kind of, you know, reflect on the week.
1: Yeah, it's important to do
2: that. And just see where we're, see where we are. Because she and I go through some stuff because she does so much with me and... She's typing my emails and getting involved with the PCA kind of thing in some kind of some kind of different way because she's communicating with me, with you guys. So it's kinda for sometimes she actually says, should I be writing this or you know it's it's kind of
3: Well, sometimes, I don't know if it would be better if you just, like, made a phone call, so, like, I'm not privy to all that information. I don't know. Like I said, I ask. I (laughs) err on the side of Uh, asking. But but
2: the thing is that those conversations are important to have.
1: No, they are. Well, and I think those are conversations that lead you to really think more about stuff and open your mind a little bit, because... Yeah. If Caitlin just sat there and typed everything you said word for word and sent it, it's not, I think you get more out of it when once in a while she's like, well, wait a minute, what do you mean by this? Or do you really think we should put it that way? Because it makes you kind of backtrack and think about it and say, oh, you know what? That might not be how I want it to come off. Yeah. So, and, and we do that at work too. Me and Tiffany. Tiffany will send me a draft email and say, can you read this for me? Tell me what you think, and I'll read it and be like, you can't send that. <laughs> or yeah, great, send it <laughs> along. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need that feedback. It's it's constructive criticism. It's yeah. sometimes you know we get hot headed and we're like, I'm gonna tell them how it is, and then somebody else says, well, well wait a minute, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, dial
2: back a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I mean, yesterday, but um. I screwed up the day on it, but it was just a day, so Mm -hmm. it was okay to run with. But it was just a day. But if the body of the report was messed up, then I would have had to change it. But I mean, it was just a day, so, you know, the main subject of the matter was, you know, reported. but. Just one day. It's yeah, it's not a big deal. Um, see, and a lot of times, a lot of times, what I what I tend to do, and this is, yeah, you know, this is part of the safety aspect of it. Legitimately, during the incident. It's the time to report. But sometimes, I'm trying to think of a way to say this without, sometimes it isn't safe to report things at the the moment, uh, because if you're reporting a BCA that's already, uh, a BCA that's working with you at the time, you don't want the PCA to walk out the door and leave you mm-hmm. in a position where you could make yourself in danger even more. Absolutely. And if if the individual is coming in the next day for another shift, you don't want to report uh, that same situation from yesterday. Um at the same time because you might get mad about a phone call or
1: something and, you know, make it even worse. I think, um, we, in this topic, it's, it's safe to say you have to clarify the level of the situation. Yeah. If it is a situation that is extremely urgent, extremely unsafe, yes, you should be reporting that right away because that person probably shouldn't even be around you. Yeah or at the safest moment that you can, Um, you know. I'm
2: talking in specific about my specific incident, but I'm
1: not going to. But I think you also have to think about the fact too that, you know, all incidents should be reported, big or small, just, you know, because there's documentation. Um, Because then it's a matter of do we have to counsel, the PCA on the situation so that it's not reoccurring? Is it something we're just going to
2: keep track of? This was a case of not an appropriate way to do something and I got an injury because of it, but I'm okay. But uh, it's not a safe way to do something and it could have been a lot worse than it Mm -hmm. is right now because of the way somebody did something so we gotta make sure it doesn't happen again exactly but at the time it was a case of if i stopped and reported it at the time it could have gotten a lot worse than what it was so i just
1: so you picked what you felt was the yeah, safest option yeah right yep and that's that's appropriate. That's what. That's how it's supposed to be. You know, you you determine the level of safety of what your action is.
2: Because of I was what you say. Because right at the moment of the incident, I was not even in the chair. So it's like, it's this people be perfect? yeah, <laughs> reported it's not the... I could end up on the floor if I stopped in forty different away, so it's like
1: And we don't want Brian on the floor.
3: <laughs> no we don't.
2: Cause Kevin would be going up to the hospital. <laughs>
3: and,
2: <laughs> and I know how she feels about that. What? About hospitals? Going up to the
3: hospital
2: and see me in that
3: situation. Well, we'd never want to see you in the hospital, No, but I'm saying
2: that, that's what I meant. Uh, although, with the team I got up there, they give me uh, back to
1: the real quick. So are we going to see you planning more hospital visits because you get vip treatment he up in there just asked me the I other sh- day
3: when he got to take his next vaca- vacation
1: <laughs> and
2: i was
3: like no time soon <laughs> it's been Julie. twice already actually
2: i've been even last to go to uh, UMass medical um all the way in worcester yep wow so, uh, because one of the the doctor that would give on my case most of the time when I can convince the ER to put me on that floor is a um, professor at Nice. And he literally, when he does rounds, takes the big takes the people in my room and says, watch this. Oh, my gosh. He says, how you doing, boy?" And usually, when I first get there, it's like, well, Doc, I'm not doing so good. And he says, knock it
1: off. (laughs) Sounds like he knows you well, too.
2: Yeah. He says, knock it off. Tell me how you really doing, and I tell him, and he goes, "See, this is a, this is a patient that really knows what he's, he what he's doing um, because the first time he saw me, it was a case of he never seen a patient as disabled as I am." able to communicate for himself and make medical decisions and, you know, so he's really impressed with the fact that uh, I can go in alone and really uh, make medical decisions and, you uh, I'm wrestling off medical stuff and he's like, hmm. alright. Okay. I said, I want this, I want that, and you. Know, like, <laughs> he was joking around with me. He's like, when do you want to leave? <laughs> this was on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I said, he said, oh, he said, you want to go home tomorrow? I said, no. <laughs> oh my god.
3: Because
2: <laughs> I need. I need three or four days to get back in the chair so that I can be reacclimated to the chair. So I'm like, how about I got a deal with you? I said, 9 o'clock Friday morning? He said, you got it. Yeah. Uh, every time he came in, I said, you're not sending me home early, are you? goes, no, you don't have to worry about that with me. Because most doctors say, when it's time to go home, it's time to go home. It's mm, non-negotiable. In this case, it was, um,
3: In this case, you
1: were able to negotiate a bit? Yeah. Uh, well, it seems like he understood how much of an awareness you have for yourself um, yeah. And you kind of, you know, I think a lot of times doctors get so caught up in their their research and what, yeah. you know, their education that they don't think about. We actually really know our bodies.
2: Yeah. He's the only doctor that I know that allows me to have a email and tells me, email him before I go in to the ER so he's aware that I'm in there. So, you
1: can take
3: the cave when I go in. Yep, that's you, awesome. you do have an active email correspondence with him. Yes.
1: I think that's really important nowadays, though, like to have a doctor that actually um, sees that, you know, us as individuals know our bodies. Yeah. And, and Brian, like you said, you, you have a very high awareness for changes in your norm. And you kind of monitor that yourself, and you, you keep track of, okay, I think I need to go to the hospital now. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody else can do that for you, because we don't know how Brian feels. One
2: of, the, one of the factors is that I have, and I know I'm running a long year, but one of the factors that I have is usually the s- staff say to me, some of the staff say to me in the past, do you think you really have to go <laughs> and it's like what did i just say if i'm even saying it that should give you the clue that i'm you know
1: yeah but i think it's also the aspect too of sometimes you we all sometimes get in our heads and start thinking the worst. Oh wait, I got a headache, maybe there's more. And then you start thinking and thinking and thinking and all of a sudden you're thinking the worst. And so, you know, sometimes I think people say that just as a, make you kind of step back and think about, you know, maybe I do, maybe I am overreacting. Maybe yeah. I do need a minute. With
2: my situation, I'm like, you know, with the, with the situation is happening in. It's really yeah. impacted or something like that, so, like, you know.
1: Well, and you have, like I said, a very strong awareness for changes yeah. in your norm. So, yeah. in your case, typically if you say, I think I'm going to the hospital and I think I'm ready, yeah. you're at a point where you've probably been ready. You've yeah. just been contemplating it, so.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, with, you would we Come back for our break, we'll continue conversation and see if there's anything else that we would like to talk about, and kind of uh, wrap this episode up. But we'll be back in just a minute, folks.
0: You're listening to Wheeling the Pathways of Life on WTBRFM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and WRRS Pittsfield, Berkshire Talking Chronicle. Support for WTBR comes from Project New Hope's Westfield office second annual Veterans Stuff the Van Thanksgiving food drive. You can drop food items or $15 grocery store gift cards at PCTV for Federico Drive in Pittsfield by November 5th. For full details, visit ProjectNewHopeMA.org. UCP of Western Massachusetts is hiring. If you'd like to help people with different abilities lead independent lives, apply at UCPWMA.org slash jobs. We need direct support professionals and clinicians. Join the agency who's reimagining independence. And we're back.
2: We're back, folks. And, uh, question, do you think there's Anything you need to, anything you want to explore a little more before we wrap up, based on what I I said previously in the show? Or clarified?
1: No, uh, I think, I mean. I may have missed. No, I think uh, the theme I took throughout the whole thing is, safety and awareness. I think everything we've talked about kind of goes back to, you know, making sure that the decisions you make for yourself or situations you're in, you, we are assessing our safety needs, whether it be hospitalizations or nursing home stays or care with PCAs, I mean.
2: The one thing that I would say is, because it's for PCAs, letting the clients make the decision as far as they can and uh, let them feel at least let them feel like they're in control of the situation. Yeah. Um. If you don't when I say feel like they're in control the more you get nervous, okay, we're going to the hospital. They get nervous or they get, um, uh, especially in TBI cases where you've got a behavior modification problem just because you brush, rushed the decision to go to the hospital and stuff and then the doctor's got whole different problem on their hands. They got a psychological problem or they got a, you know, violent, uh, most cases aren't violent. But uh, then they got a security issue um, at BMC because they've got a patient fa- going off the wall <laughs> just, because, uh, just because of staff. Says
1: one thing yeah, and that's why I think it's important for, you know, staff members, PCAs, direct support. I mean, we all have an obligation to make sure that we're doing our due diligence with our mandated reporting and yeah. our safety. But at the end of the day, you know, you it's also the member's choice. So having that option of, you know, if, if a staff member really has a gut feeling that something's wrong or something needs to be addressed, there's no harm in having, you know, some an EMT come and do an assessment and still giving you that choice to, at the end of the day, say, I don't want to go to the hospital, or now that I know what's going on, maybe I should go to the hospital.
2: Or, like, like uh, some of my PCAs do, they don't know how to fuck with me, so sometimes they call Tiffany and say... Tiffany, we think he needs to go and we don't want to be the one to have the conversation
1: with him. Well, and sometimes bringing that third party in helps as well. Because now you have Tiffany coming in saying, okay, Brian, what's really going on? And then you tell her and she says, yeah, you're right. I don't really think you need to go to the hospital. But then she can explain to the PCAs, you know, why, why this decision came to about. Yeah. So then they're a little more comfortable with that as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, like with this injury, I know what this injury is and I have done it before. So, I mean, it's kind of one of these things. Oh, here we go again. You know, this is just. One of those I got to be careful of for a couple of days, but it's fine. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> 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 My legs are going to fall off. You yeah, whatever, but... Um, you yeah. know.
3: We'll look at me, look at me. I wasn't looking yeah. at you like anything. I just looked up. <laughs> <laughs> You're exaggerating for the audience. But,
2: um, anyway, um, so, Christina, is there any, uh last thing you want to say to let staff know that I had to, as a manager you kind of need to keep an eye out for um in regards to staff as regards to we've been talking about safety but um is there any final
1: i just think it's important for you know staff to really you know for one they need to get to know their the members they're working with and know when something's not right or the norm and you know always just keep that awareness keep the communication of you know if if the member does say there's something wrong or um, there isn't something wrong and then you know to just follow their gut you know if at the end of the day we you know we want you to make your own decisions but we also want to make sure that you're safe and things are in the best interest of you.
2: My theory is, if the client's gonna be a little upset, I rather deal with that and then have a, um,
1: A bigger situation. Bigger situation. I agree.
2: Like my, like my father says, if I fall, and uh, this was a long time ago, but this is funny, but, he says if I fall and I'm screaming, the murder at the PCA, I'm fine. But if I'm not screaming, then I'm gonna go, then I'm gonna give you guys a hard time, then that's, that's, um, that's, uh, that's a more concerning than if,
1: you know. So mental note, if Brian's screaming and yelling at you, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
3: Apparently.
2: (laughs) Allegedly. No, I'm not going to kill anybody. (laughs) Hope not. If I get mad at them. But they uh, will strongly know I'm mad at them. And, you know, mental note. For me, if I'm bleeding on my head, it's time to go to the hospital.
3: <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I'd say it's like a good like marker of um, <laughs> needing care.
2: Because one time I did fall and I needed two staples in my head. And I was being stubborn. Oh, boy. My father had to literally literally hold me in a (laughs) chokehold to keep me from moving so we could stop bleeding. Oh, my goodness.
1: Actually, I still
2: refuse the ambulance and went by sugar.
3: Like I said you stubborn <laughs> no I couldn't imagine you know actually
2: I was done in the getting the staples in my head before the manager even got there so that was a interesting situation
1: yeah so-hmm.
2: So thank you, Kristen, for coming and uh, this has been a great situation. Uh, as we were talking about in the beginning of the show before we got started, uh, we're gonna try to do before the six months, get you back on and see where we're at at that point. Sounds like a plan.
3: Well, all right. That about does it for I us. I love it
2: when the plane comes together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. Your time. All right. Uh, folks, if you have any uh, questions or any uh, thing you'd like to see us talk about,
3: we have an email address at... wheelingthepathways at gmail.com. And we have my cell so phone number
2: uh, that people can text me on so that we have, we can communicate and see what we can do about the uh, subjects.
3: And that number is
1: 413-281-5284.
3: In
2: I think you for two
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been a great show, Kristen, and I appreciate you coming on. Why? Thank you for having me. And you will be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this
2: goodbye Boy and this Patrick, bringing you an episode of Wheeling the Pathways. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for uh, joining and us. Thank you, Caitlin, for... Keeping me going over there with the board? No problem at all. Uh, We will see you all next week. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us for Wheeling the Pathways of Life, a production of 89.7 WTBR-FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, and 104.3 WRRS Pittsfield, Berkshire Talking Chronicle, with your host, Brian Fitzpatrick, and co-host, Caitlin Fitzgerald. May you and yours have a beautiful day, and we'll see you again next week.
3: Since you found each other I've been so
2: confused Cause I believe there's one soul on this
0: earth that was meant for mine I was sent here to find what if it's you